Everyone, both inside and outside the educational field, understands the need to meet the individual needs of our students. We acknowledge that personalized learning is vitally important to their success. But how often do we think about personalizing the learning for our teachers and staff who have a constant desire to improve their craft? Well, in today's episode of EdTech on Deck, we'll visit with Dr. Patrick Gibbsberg-Bunkel from the Linwood Unified School District in California, whose EdTech team is doing just that. We'll learn how they set goals, assess staff need, and then tailor their EdTech professional learning to meet each individual teacher's needs. You're sure to be inspired by this fantastic conversation with Dr. Patrick Gittis-Rabungle. So batten down the hatches and join us for this episode of EdTech on Deck. Love that intro music. Welcome, viewers, to another wonderful episode of Ed Tech on Deck. I am your host, Dr. Roland Rios, Ed Leo's brand advocate. I am thrilled as can be to have our special guest today. I tell you, we usually tape these on a Tuesday night because of scheduling conflicts. Uh, Dr. Geddes Rubungle and I are here on a Friday afternoon. We both have smiles on our faces because weekend is near. Dr. Geddes Rubungle, we thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Patrick Gittes-Rubungle is the Associate Superintendent of Technology and Innovation for Linwood Unified School District in California. Uh, according to his uh, Twitter profile, he is a dad, husband, lifelong Laker fan. The Spurs fan in me will forgive you for that. Uh, and a, a self-proclaimed nerd. We may have to visit that because I think there's a fine line between nerd and geek, um, but, but you call yourself a nerd. Patrick Gittes-Rubungle, thanks for being here with us. Thank you, Dr. Rios, Roland Rios. Again, you know, uh, really appreciate being here and being asked to to be on this podcast. Uh, really looking forward to our conversation this afternoon for you, probably. Uh, again, just really looking forward to it. Absolutely. I, like I said, I'm looking forward to talking with you as well. Dr. Gittesberg Bungle in his district, they are, they are hopefully happy, happy Ed Leo uh, clients, but that's not why he's here. He's here because of his expertise in dealing <laughs> with the educational tech needs of teachers and staff. Um, people seem to assume sometimes those, especially outside the educational field, is that everybody knows everything there is to know about teaching and knows how to work all the technology. It takes people like Dr. Geddes Rabungle uh, here and his, his hardworking staff to make sure teachers have all the tools they need and actually know how to use those tools. And that's where we're going to center our conversation uh, this afternoon. First, uh, Patrick, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to to education, where you started in this realm, and how you got to be an associate soup of innovation. Absolutely, Roland. So again, uh, my name is Patrick Gittis Ribongo. I would probably say I have the self-proclaimed longest last name in Los Angeles County. Uh, I am currently the assistant soup for technology and innovation here with Lindwood Unified School District. Uh, I've been in public education uh, probably like for over 20 years. I think this is my 23rd year, actually. I've uh, served as an assistant soup, uh, CTO, a director, actually began my career as a secondary math teacher uh, in 2000, um, you know, and, and I actually, I came to public education from the private sector uh, because I got laid off during uh, the dot-com bust era of mm. Web 1.0. Uh, and so, you know, when I, when I came into public education, I, I really never left uh, ever since then. And so... Spent three years in the private sector as a web developer, as a programmer, project manager. You know, I'm a I'm a product of CTE programs. Uh, you know, I have my Microsoft certification. I'm Cisco certified. I'm also an Oracle guy as well. Also attended a community college as well. 
And so, you know, I, I've been fortunate to to really be a part of public education now for like 23 years, as I mentioned, um, and, and really wanting to serve and, and give back to to students in the community. And so um, really, really been fortunate to be a part of four different organizations. You know, currently I'm in Linwood Unified School District. Uh, prior to that, I was at the San Diego County Office of Education. And then prior to that, I was with Linwood again. Um, and then I also worked as a director of technology for Huntington Beach High School District. And I spent the large majority of my career with Montebello Unified, which is again, all of these districts in our Southern California. Um, you know, I never thought I would leave Montebello Unified, but um, you know, leadership calls. And so, you know, whenever there's leadership opportunities, you, you take them. And so uh, Montebello is where I began my career. And, and really, I didn't think I was going to leave Montebello. But again, you know, when it comes to leadership, you know, I, I know that you know, affecting leadership and improving systems and practices is something that really resonates with me. And so, you know, I was very fortunate to be a part of all these four organizations. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, yeah. and I think our, our educational lives uh, marry each other pretty similarly. I started as a high school math teacher, was in the classroom for four years, became an assistant principal, became a principal, uh, ended up uh, to the in the dark side of technology. Uh, <laughs> as, as a technology director, you know, you mentioned all those certifications you have, Patrick. I, to me personally, and, and you probably echo this sentiment, I think the most important thing when you're leading other teachers in EdTech, the, the fact that you are a classroom teacher, that you've been where they have been before, that to me speaks volumes to staff. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. I, I think, you know, being able to have that base of teaching and learning and really understanding what it's like to be in the classroom, you know, whether it's, you know, classroom discipline, classroom strategies, engagement, you know, um, really working around, you know, creating systems within the classroom. I think that that is is by far something that, that really resonates with a lot of the folks I, I work with. You know, I will tell you that private sector experience, you know, I often argue that teachers make the best project managers, right? Mm -hmm. And so they don't, just don't even know it yet. You know, in the private sector, we, we often use projects, you know, as a basis for, you know, things that need to go to market, you know, things that need to go to sales. Um, if you think about a teacher, you know, project management is what they do on a monthly, weekly, daily basis, whether they're creating lesson plans, curriculum mapping, whether they're doing, um, you know, an entire scope and sequence, you know, that's a project management plan. So yeah, uh, I, mean, I always, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> they're in human resources. They got the kids to deal with. They got the parents to deal with. They're in marketing because they have to uh, put things out on, on their websites and those types of things. That, that's Absolutely. A, a wonderful thought there. Tell me a little bit about uh, Linwood Unified. Yeah, uh, Linwood Unified, again, fortunate, you know, to be here as serve as the Assistant Super for Technology Innovation. Linwood Unified is located right next to Compton. Uh, we are a medium-sized district uh, with, that serves uh, roughly 13,000 students across 12 elementary schools. Uh, we have two middle schools and two high schools as well as a continuation high school and an adult school. Um, we, you know, again, we, I think we have about 99% of our students qualify for free and reduced lunch. And so you can kind of imagine the needs um, of our community and our, our students, uh, as well as our parents and families here within this district. We have roughly 33% English learners, um, you know, foster youth, as well as, you know, low income students as well. And so um, again, if there are needs, um, we have them here, uh, but you know, I can't say enough about this community because we, we do whatever we can to ensure that we create the conditions uh, for our students and parents to ensure that learning happens and teaching and, and teaching and learning absolutely happens in, in classrooms as well. 
Yeah, and, and that's evident. If if you Google uh, Patrick Gittis Rewungle, you're going to a lot a lot of stuff about closing that digital divide shows up, and, and Linwood apparently uh, very evidently has helped close that gap and, and and provide the resources, as Patrick said, to its students and its teachers. Yeah, and you know, in our division, we have you know we're fortunate to have 30 staff members, and so we have uh, 12 digital learning coaches and what we oh. call school innovation coaches across all of our schools. Um, and so that, that in itself is really, you know, a testament to our board of education, our superintendent, our cabinet, um, just to really emphasize technology as part of the strategic planning process. Um, and it's very evident uh, transformative uses of technology is like the third bullet in our strategic plan. Yeah. You know, people, you can throw technology at, at, at teachers, at students, but without that support, without those innovative leaders there on the campuses to guide them, you end up with some very expensive uh, paperweights and, 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 <laughs> and doorstops is what I've always said. So you say you've got 12, um, you call them innovative coordinators? or Yeah. Um, school and school innovation coaches. How are they? I'm just interested in, in, a, in a school with 12 different uh, elementaries, two uh, middle schools, two, middle. two high schools. Are, yeah. are they divided by the elementary? Who serves the middle? Are they divided by grade level? Talk, talk, yeah, they're, they're, talk they're divided by elementary. And so we have, again, you know, 10, 10 of the coaches are actually, you know, they support two schools each. Um, and then we have two district coaches that really provide kind of the leadership and, you know, best practices and, you know, um, you know classroom visitations and goals and expectations. They, they kind of carry forth you know, and really help communicate, you know, the things that the district wants to initiate or that we get feedback from them as well. And so having school innovation coaches on the campuses, you know, do model lessons, um, provide a lot of resources to teachers, you know, demonstrate lessons again. Um, you know, I think that's been very impactful from a human human centered perspective. And that, that really centers around what we want to do as an organization is that, you know, we really want to approach things as a human centered um, organization. You know, you, 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 you called yourself a nerd and, 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 and your Twitter, <laughs> I, this is how nerdy I am. That, that gave me goosebumps. Just thinking that you've got innovative leaders, tech leaders on every campus. That just speaks volumes about your district's commitment to making sure that the teachers and students have what they need. Yeah. And, and because of that, you know, um, you know, as a nation, you know, we were one of the you know, few districts here, you know, in California that was recognized for those efforts and we are part of the league of innovative schools um you know with digital promise and digital promise is a nationwide league of only 150 school districts across mm -hmm. the nation and so we're, we're really fortunate to be one of the 150 um to be selected in that that distinguished um i guess cadre of, of other district and and school leaders yeah well that's it's clear to see why so people listening that that may not be in the trenches may think why do you need a coach at every campus these are teachers they they know how to teach they they do all that and, you know i think everyone acknowledges the fact okay teachers have to deal with these kids from all different levels and they all bring different backgrounds and and needs and and not everyone understands that we as administrators as technology directors uh, innovative uh, superintendents of super of uh, uh, innovation. We deal with that same thing. Not all of our teachers, not all of our staff come to us with the same background knowledge as far as ed tech goes. Um, talk to me about that. Do you see a wide variety of, of needs across the staff? Yeah, ju just like students, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that, that I often say is that as much as we try to personalize learning uh, for students, you know, we also need to personalize learning for our staff as well. And so mm -hmm. when we think about personalized learning for staff, it's not 
you know, it has to be personal, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, we go away from personalized, but it has to be personal for each individual teacher, each individual staff. And we do that, I think, in, in three different ways. You know, the first is really making sure that that staff is well, you know, and so, you know, we, we promote a lot of mindfulness um, with our staff, you know, making sure that they are able to, to seek health, uh, seek, you know, like mm-hmm. support from others as well. Um, you know, mindfulness practices, you know, taking a moment to, to really exhale um, from, you know, post-pandemic trauma, you know, just the work that they've doing. You know, we're asking teachers to do so much uh, these days that it's important just to stop, pause, reflect, and really think about taking care of themselves as individuals. You know, I think the second part that, that we're really focused on is, you know, encouraging what I mentioned earlier about being, you know, people-centered, uh, really being human, you know, focused. Um, and so, you know, relationships, right? We always talk about relationships. And so we know that that organizations and school districts in particular, relationships really drive that. And so, you know, making sure that teachers are able to work alongside other teachers and other peers, along other side, other staff, you know, administrators, when they attend PD, they attend PD with their teachers side by side. You know, so really fostering that that kind of people-centered organizational culture is something that, that we really, you know, really promote and really want to make sure that it happens across all of our campuses. And then the last, you know, is really around this whole culture of learning, right? And you know, we're a learning organization from the students to the staff, to the teachers, to the parents, everyone, right? And so, you know, ensuring that everyone is continuously improving, you know, continuously reflecting on their practices, making sure that they're looking at, at you know, their assessments, looking at their needs, looking at, you know, where they are as a individual, uh, who they are as an individual, where they come from, their backgrounds or culture, et cetera. Um, that, that really is really why, why we want to make sure we promote and model that same kind of thing with our students as well. So yeah. uh, again, mental health, you know, people centered and then learning culture. Yeah, you know, you can't learn unless unless you're well taken care of. I like the fact that you put that SEL uh, teaches social emotional learning uh, at the forefront. I always tell people you you can't take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself. And you can't expect teachers to teach unless unless they are well taken care of themselves. And the whole sure. idea that you mentioned again of, of continuous improvement uh, in the district that I just left, um, we we caught on to the uh, idea of kaizen, uh, which yeah. is uh, either Jap- I think it's Japanese a term. Uh, we actually toured the Toyota plant here in San Antonio, and that's their their mantra is Kaizen, continuous improvement, uh, always looking, how can I look at the work that I've done? How do yeah. I improve upon that work? How can I continue to grow? Yeah, this whole cycle, you know, and, and the research always says it too, of PDSA. So PDSA is another alphabet soup acronym, plan, <laughs> do, study, act, right? And that mm-hmm. that's evident in the continuous improvement cycle as well. And And teachers do that on a daily basis when they're reflecting on, you know, how their students are performing you know how they were assessed, you know, what lessons do I need to provide for tomorrow? And, and so that whole cycle is something that we constantly want to promote, even with our teachers in professional development. Absolutely. So you've talked about kind of a global level. Let's make sure the teachers are, are, are doing well emotionally. Yeah. Make sure they're in the right place. Uh, let's make sure that they, they have the attitude of continuous improvement. Now let's talk about the nitty gritty. How, how do you assess where yeah. teachers are in technology? People sometimes assume, and I'm going to try to say this as politically correctly as I can, <laughs> that the, the, the youngins, those new to the profession, know yeah. exactly how to use technology. And maybe some, I call them our seasoned staff. 
right. um, those are the ones reluctant. That's not always the case. Uh, I've seen seasoned staff that are whizzes with technology. I've seen kids straight out of college that know the technology, but maybe don't know the pedagogy behind that technology. Right. So what tools do you use, Patrick, to assess where your staff is with EdTech and then what tools do you use to, to meet those individual needs? Yeah, so the tool that we've been using is a, a platform called Aludo. And Aludo is um, a powerful platform. It gamifies kind of the professional development learning experience. Love gamification. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, exactly. And, you know, this whole notion, you know, I want to shout out Daniel Pink and, you know, basically the auto autonomy, mastery, and purpose on what motivates individuals, right? And so that first one, autonomy, right? We want to make sure that, teachers and staff are given many options, right? Just in the same way that, that teachers give students options, whether it's choice boards, we should be doing the same thing when it comes to our, our, our adults and our staff, right? And so we have a program called PEAK, right? And, and the acronym is P-I-Q-U-E. And I think you, you asked about that earlier, right? So it is pronounced PEAK, right? You wanna peak your interest. And so that acronym sounds stands for Personalized Innovative Quests for unique educators. And I want to pause there because, you know, I mentioned about personalization, right? And personalization is always making sure that things are personal, right? And then innovative, right, is making sure that we provide not just tools about technology, but things around wellness, mental health, social emotional learning, things around classroom strategies, you know, anything that has to do with the physical you know, classroom environment, that's, and, and with working with kids and adults and, and humans, right? That's what we really want to have. Quests, if you think about Quest, you know, to me, I love going on quests. I love going on journeys, right? We want to make sure that, that every journey begins with the map, right? And then unique educators. And I want to pause there because unique really recognizes that each teacher, each staff member comes with you know, an asset-based approach. They come with their own set of strengths. They come with their own understanding, their own context, their own learning. And so we want to be able to tailor that, you know, for every individual teacher that we have. And so, you know, that that peak platform, if you will, through Aludo is where we want to make sure that every person is able to experience this collaborative, you know, learning-centered approach, really, that they, they can create their own pathway to learning, right? It's like, choose your own adventure. Back in my days, you know, those choose your own adventure books, yeah, right? Yeah, you, yeah. you can jump to page 25, 26. That's what we want. And, and teachers and staff are able to choose their activities with missions, you know, whether it's pedagogy, uh, Google, SEL, and more. And so those are all short micro learning activities. And so we don't want to inundate them with long, you know, videos or sitting in a room for like an hour of a, of a time. We know that short bursts, you know, these nuggets of learning is where, you know, where that sweet spot is at. And so we want to make sure that staff is able to complete these micro learning activities in minutes, right? Anytime, anywhere you can log on. You know, I, I always argue that, I, you know, I love to do PD in your PJs, right? And yep. so, um, <laughs> you know, right. staff That's will do their PJs. Do that yeah. yeah, if they want to go online, at, you know, late night, you know, feel, feel free to have at it. That, that's that's amazing. So so the buy-in, I imagine, is 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 pretty high in the district it, as far as that the goes. The buy-in is pretty high, and you know, I think again, you know, the the way that we have topics is, you know, I think it, it also encourages um, you know staff to really get engaged in the the content. So you know, we use terms like captivate your curriculum. We use terms like creative collaboration, 
tackle the teacher toolbox, um, you know, personalized with pedagogy, you know, you dive into digital, digital citizenship, you innovate with instructional tools, and then you go far with Google Workspace. And so, you know, we, we play around the, you know, alliteration stuff, um, you know, and that seems to resonate with our staff and our teachers. And I, I do want to shout out our district digital learning coaches, because, you know, without them, you know, really kind of curating all the content and creating the content in this platform, uh, this would not be possible. You know, they're really, they, they really help operationalize this vision around personalization and, and getting personal um, and put that into the platform. They're, they're, they're the experts and they know that, you know, for me, you know, to, to come in, you know, I, I want to empower everyone in this organization. I want to empower them as well. And so sometimes, you know, administrators, I, I, I don't want to say it, but we muddy things up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I know I, I got to step back sometimes, right. And say, Hey, how are things going? Is, is there anything I, I can do to help? Uh, anything I can do to help support? Anything I can do to help empower? What, what kind of barriers are you guys experiencing? What can I eliminate? What can we weed? You know, things like that. The, the peak program just sounds fascinating. Again, the nerd in me getting all excited. And, 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 <laughs> it, it almost sounds, Patrick, like 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 it's an ed tech buffet where teachers can go and say, "Let me, you know, I'm going to take two servings of Google and let me have a side of of uh, uh, you know video and and let me have." Yeah. A, uh, and just kind of tailor things to, to what they know they need and what they know their students, more importantly, what their students need. Yeah. And what's great about the platform too, and what they do is that because that whole idea of gamification, you mentioned gamification earlier, is that as they complete activities, you know, they, they actually earn points, right? And so there is this, I guess, natural inclination for competition, right? And so oh, yeah. they can see their peers you know, score up higher. And then they, I know that there's some teachers that want to actually, you know, jump and, and really get, get in and, and co complete additional activities so they can, they can be on the, the leaderboard. And so that we love that. We, we love that gamification aspect of it. And we know that our, our staff is, is really engaged in the content. And if they aren't engaged with the content and then, you know, if there's something that we need to eliminate, then we, by all means, then we go back, you know, I work with our coaches and say, Hey, let's figure out how we can, maybe cut this out, maybe add some additional content here. Maybe there's a need that, that we haven't addressed yet. Maybe there's a blind spot. Um, and so we, we definitely want to do the same thing with that continuous improvement process with the content that we provide, the training that we offer, the professional development that we deliver. So That's awesome. That gamification yeah. reminds me of, again, in my district, when I was tech director, we had a similar program on a much smaller scale, uh, but we did digital badges. So as they went through different modules, they would get a digital badge. And then we decided to actually print actual badges on little stickers. And we had a little sticker maker, but we would deliver them to the classroom and hand them to the teacher in front of the students. And we wow. had huge pomp and circumstance. I, I had a little Bluetooth speaker and we'd go in and play. It's a bomb, 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 And we'd rock it up and we would award these, these badges to the teachers in front of the students. The students got all excited about it. And, and, and not only were they encouraging their teachers, but again, showing the students, Hey, your teachers are learners too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. And, you know, I would tell you that, you know, even today, you know, one of the things that I, I've, I've mentioned to our coaches as well as our principals is that we really need to start looking at what post post pandemic classrooms can and should look like. Right. And so this whole new ecosystem of skills that are needed by teachers and leaders are just exponential. Not only do they need to master platforms, not only do they need to understand social emotional learning needs, not only do they need to be able to articulate that, right? I think this whole 
you know, area around, you know, both incoming current educators, um, you know, this talent shortage that we, we've seen, right? Mm -hmm. The um, skills gap that maybe some teachers are coming in with. I think it's important to be able to address those by creating platforms and creating gamification processes like this so we can create that continuous improvement culture that that really can adapt to any type of learning needs, whether it's blended, hybrid, distance, you know, I think, you know, educators just need to be increasingly knowledgeable about how to adapt to so many different learning experiences. I know it sounds overwhelming, right? But we want to take it with bite-sized chunks, right? We want to meet, you know, our staff where they're at. And that's why I, you know, this whole pick peak, if you mm -hmm. excuse me, this whole peak program, I think it's it's really effective. And and that's just one cog in you know how we approach professional development how we approach support with our staff you know it, it's not just about peak it's about you know relationships as well and so mentorship and again you know you being you know in education which is awesome <laughs> right um you know you you recognize that relationships matter and relationships really drive it and having a mentor you know not only provide that type of support is really you know, really around developing and sharing that expertise. And, you know, as a classroom teacher myself, I had a mentor as well. And I, I, I fondly remember her because I still keep in contact with her. Yeah. I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation I'm having with Dr. Patrick Geddes Rabungle from Unified School District in California. And we'll be right back with more. But first, a brief message from Ed Leo. EdTech on Deck is brought to you by Edlio, a premier communication solutions provider for K-12 schools. With Edlio, you can do more from one dashboard and be instantly connected to all the tools you need for engagement and outreach. Edlio is proud to power over 17,000 schools with websites, online school payments, mobile apps, and mass messaging. We're happy to bring lively, educationally-based dialogue to our listeners and hope you enjoy EdTech on Deck. Learn more about us at www.edlio.com. That's www.edlio.com. Are, are, are you seeing uh, in the PEAK program or in your uh, staff development in general, is, is there something that, that teachers are really gravitating towards right now? What, what is that one thing that you see a, a lot of teachers need help with with this or really want to learn this tool here uh, and well, we just, rising to the top? You know, I would say, I, I think um, digital citizenship seems to be rising to the top. And, uh, I, and I only say that because in, in the world that we live in today um, and, you know, with everything on social media, kids on social media, you know, our teens, you know, accessing a lot of content, you know, whether it's TikTok, whether it's, you know, insert name of social media platform here, our students are really, you know, using it for, you know, entertainment purposes, using it for a, a multitude of reasons, right? And so I think what's important for our staff and our students to understand is, you know, what that digital footprint looks like. And so digital citizenship, making sure that our te I was a secondary teacher. So, I, you know, knowing that our kids are going to go out in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And they're going to apply for a job. And when they apply for that job, you know, the employer, you know, is going to be looking at their social media presence, right? That's something that I hope resonates with our kids and our students, right? And our staff is really promoting that idea of digital literacy and digital 
um, you know, safety, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, I think that that seems to be taking off. It's like, what right. can we do to implement? You know, how, how can we can we prevent cyberbullying? You know, so there's so that's a can of worms. That's an, another oh, yeah. podcast yeah. in itself, right? <laughs> but di- digital citizenship, you know, um, that that seems to be you know digital literacy that that seems to be at the forefront. Even our our parents, you know, are still you know struggling with you know competing um, with all these platforms that that our kids are on. So yeah, uh, that, that resonates. Yeah, digital literacy, I think, is so important. There's so much information on the Internet and being teaching kids and even adults how to cull through it and find out what's real, what's not, what's fake news. That That's so important. Just because it's on the web doesn't make it true. Um, Spot on. Yeah, You talked about digital footprints. I used to talk to our kids every year. I would do something with our with our secondary kiddos. Uh, but I stopped calling it a digital footprint. And I told them, this is a digital tattoo. Footprints wash away. I said, what, what you're putting on the internet, it doesn't disappear. You may delete it, but somebody take a screenshot. You're going to have to live with that for a look, good long time. So be careful. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would say that, you know, one of the, the, I guess, buzzwords that I've been trying to implement is this whole idea of a digital driver's license. And so, um, you know, because I taught secondary, you know, 16 year olds get a license here in California, mm-hmm. but they still need supervision, right? They're not able to drive on their own by themselves. Um, and so, that whole idea of a digital driver's license and making sure that students, you know, go through a series of, of, you know, orientation or exercises to understand their impact when they actually post something, um, who it goes to, you know, how to actually navigate social media information literacy that you mentioned before. I mean, just the, all the stuff that they consume that they see on a daily basis is something that we want to make sure that our, our students are aware of and they have the, the right tools and, and wherewithal to be able to decipher you know, what's real, what's not, to your point, right? And I think we also, we walk a, a delicate balancing act, Patrick, because in order to, to teach these kids this digital literacy and digital citizenship, we have to give them a little bit of freedom. And I, I see a lot of tech directors that, oh, I'm going to lock down everything. I'm not going to allow them to do anything, you know, outside of our domain. We're, we're teaching them in a vacuum and that's not going to do them any good. I, I think the, the idea of a driver's license is let's guide these kids through real application uh, let's get them to publish online. Let's get them to push their videos out onto YouTube, but do it in a safe environment. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. You know, because I was actually a, a classroom teacher and an administrator, you know, I, I always have this, this student-centered viewpoint, right? And so, you know, we are not a lock-and-block district. Um, Beautiful. We, we, we definitely filter content by law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we don't expose kids to the, the stuff that, that we – don't again that kids shouldn't be exposed to uh, but at the same time we also provide teachers and our staff with the tools that allow them to unblock content as needed right and so that comes with some agreements as well wow. with our staff and so making sure that they're able to go through an orientation go through a process with our coaches right so then they understand the impact of of exposing content and so oftentimes as you've seen over the last couple of years right you know teachers may bring in their own opinions about things right and so it's important for us to make sure that you know that hey this is content that we want to deliver this is you know safe content you know let, let's kind of stay neutral around it because everything can get polarizing in many aspects too and so we, we want to stay above above that Absolutely. Let's yeah. go back to to the, the staff development. I, I yeah. 
yeah. always love to hang my hat on some kind of theoretical framework. Show me a Venn diagram. Show me a chart. I get all excited <laughs> about it. Is there any particular um, ed tech theoretical framework that, that you guys like to use? Uh, yeah. So, you know, we've been using the SAMR model, which mm-hmm. is a framework created by uh, Dr. Puente Dura. I can't I know if I pronounce it correctly. Right? Yeah. Dura. Yeah. I, I love him. I, I don't know when it, it created, when it was created, but it was created for a while ago. And so that summer model resonates with us because it, it's that whole Starbucks effect, right? I, I think I've seen some diagrams around how the summer model, you know, applies to Starbucks and the first S stands for substitution. A is augmentation. M is modification and redefinition. And then R is the redefinition stage. And so being able to explain that to teachers and our staff has been has resonated with them because they know exactly where they can kind of reflect on where they are when it comes to implementing the different tools or different the different technologies within their classroom. And sometimes they'll go back and forth between substitution, augmentation, modification, redefinition. I have a teacher that, you know, where we had an experience where, you know, <laughs> where we had some Chromebooks that were disenrolled um, from our console. And so, and because of that, you know, like she emailed me and said, all my content is online. I have a paperless classroom. We need to make sure all of these Chromebooks get get back enrolled. And so that really showed me as well as the rest of the organization that, that the reliance on tools, the reliance on, you know, the technology, the devices, the content, the, you know, just the systems that we've had in place over the last couple of years, right? That level of expectation is now is here. So whether they're climbing up that ladder of SAMR or going down that ladder, I mean, we're all in it. Um, and we're, we really enjoy that framework because we're always trying to get to that redefinition stage. Um, but, but, but we're doing stuff at the substitution, augmentation, modification, redefinition level. And so, yeah. you know, that, that language, you know, folks understand it. And, and that's what I like about theoretical models. And this uh, SAMR is one of my favorites. And for our listening audience that may not be familiar, uh, the SAMR model basically just talks about the, the depth of, of use of, of the technology at its easiest substitution. Kids are taking notes on the Chromebook instead of writing them. Well, you're simply substituting. When you get to redefinition deep into the, to the uh, implementation phase, that's as, as Patrick pointed out. That's when what you're doing could not be done without the technology. You've you've completely redefined the learning. I think it's important for teachers to know that that there are times where substitution is the right level. There are times when augmentation. So so they're going to be jumping around that model. It's not. And I always tell my teachers, this is not a checklist. I'm not going to come in and say, oh, you're at the S level. I need you. That this is just something. It gives. Theoretical frameworks give you a vocabulary, a common vocabulary that you can visit with. I used to love when I when I would teach the SAMR, Patrick, I would at the end of my little lesson with the teachers, I'd give them a scenario. So, okay, Mr. Jones is teaching this and that, and give them this big scenario, and then I would have them debate what level is this on, on the SAMR model. And then they were done, we'd talk it all out, and they would say, What's the right answer? I said, There isn't one. I don't know. And they're like, Why did you do that? I said, Because it made you think. Um, yeah, you know, you may have four different opinions on what level you're on, but as long as you're having that internal uh, reflection or, or, or talking amongst yourselves among about it, that that's what it's designed to do. Yeah, I think the the best example that I gave um, during professional development around SAMR was that Starbucks one. I think you've seen it on social media and Twitter as well, where you know a substitution is where you substitute you know something for coffee, right? Um, coffee substitute, and then the A is where you have um, you know the technology 
acts as a direct tool, right? And so like, let's say you add a latte, right? And then the M is around redesign where it's a caramel macchiato. And then the R, <laughs> then the R is really like pumpkin spice latte and, and all of these different ones in that, that <laughs> pops up in your app. It's like, wow, everyone is doing redefinition now. <laughs> so yeah, every, everybody can relate to that coffee. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, one last thing I want to do, we've had, this has been a fantastic conversation, Patrick. Uh, think back in all your times and, 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 uh, uh, working with teachers, do, do you have a favorite ed tech success story? Uh, anybody come to mind or? You know, there, there's a, a lot of ed tech success stories, I could say. Um, but the one that really comes to my mind is, okay, this, this goes back to my days um, when I first taught. <laughs> so, okay, bear with me now. It's like about 20 years ago uh, of this experience where, you know, and it was really around a business project. Um, and so, you know, one of the teachers, you know, was, was teaching um, business, uh, business concepts, right? And I remember this because the whole idea of business concepts was done in a, you know, a factory industry, factory machine model, if you will, right? And so you can imagine what that teaching and learning was going to be like in that, in that classroom. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I, I mentioned in, in terms of providing PD to this particular teacher was, let's think about business in a different way. Let's figure out, like, let's have kids, you know, start by designing a logo, um, you know, and, and really putting, like, finding what that logo means for that, that particular business, if you will, right? And then creating a business plan, you know, using word processing tools, right? You know, what, what are the, the steps of a business plan that needed to go into that? And then if you expand further, further creating a budget, right? Using a spreadsheet to create a budget around there. And then again, further creating a presentation around that. And so that experience of really educating that teacher on how the tools can really accompany, right? That business plan or that whole process was, I think resonated with that teacher and really like really transformed the way in which, um, you know, she was actually conducting that class. And and I I think to this day, you know, I, I believe that she's still, you know, following the same model, but then incorporating and integrating technology to do so, you know, whether it's Google Docs, you know, Google Spreadsheets, whatever it is, you know, but that whole idea of a business plan, you know, having students create a business plan, that hasn't changed, but the tools did. Yep. I don't know if that's a good example or not. No, it's a wonderful really, example because yeah. you, you brought us full circle, Patrick, because that yeah. was a really good example of how you personalize the learning for that teacher. You yeah. saw what you needed, you saw what her kids needed. Uh, and, and and went in that direction. One more question I, I lied to you. Yeah. That was not the last question. What's what do you see as uh, hot topics? What what are the what are the new trends? What are you foreseeing in ed tech and in, in in schools for the next couple of years? Okay, so I'm big on data science. So um, you know, if if there hasn't been a class around data science, you know, I think schools and high schools need to have that that class created. Um, machine learning, AI, and education is huge. I think that there's going to be, if not already, there are tools that will help automate stuff within a classroom. It will give teachers feedback on how lessons are being designed. Um, you know, it may be a little controversial where you have re- listening devices and recording devices in classrooms, but you know that feedback on instruction, feedback on language, feedback on vernacular that is being used in content in classrooms today, I think that that's going to change the way in which staff as well as educators 
really fine tune, reshape, improve their processes as well. I, I just really think that machine learning AI is going to take, you know, education by storm. I think that we, we're starting to see remnants of that, um, whether it's, you know, these 360 classrooms, whether it's, you know, the tools that are in, I just think that, that that's going to really, you know, radically transform how we provide feedback, you know, in the future. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. You know, it's I, an I think exciting that, time to be an educator. Absolutely. I think that, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, this whole continuous improvement process can only be, you know, a lot more efficient in how, how we actually provide lessons and, and really improve the conditions for kids to learn. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I just think that machine learning AI is really going to transform what we do. Absolutely. Dr. Gittes Ramungle, keep up the fantastic work. We thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a wonderful time uh, visit. I've had a wonderful time visiting with you listeners. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Patrick as well. I remind you to uh, subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite podcast channels and join us in a week and a half. Our next guest will be Mr. Wacy Tobler. Wacy is the digital learning coach at Fort Sam Houston ISD here in San Antonio, Texas, and the coach of the Robert G. Cole esports team. Esports is another hot topic in schools. We're going to find out how he started and is running a successful esports program. Patrick, once again, thank you so much. I wish you happy holidays and continued success in what you're doing. Listeners, thank you for listening. We'll hear see you next time on Ed Leo's EdTech on Deck. Thanks so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of EdTech on Deck. EdTech on Deck is brought to you by EdLeo, a premier K-12 communication solution helping schools communicate effectively and efficiently with their students, parents, and communities. Learn more about us at www.edleo.com. That's E-D-L-I-O.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of EdTech on Deck.